Before we start, I want you to even just get out your Bibles, get your phones ready, however you use your, the Word of God or you get the Word of God from so that we can go into the Word. Today, we're going to be going to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 31 through 32. Then we're going to go over to Matthew. I'll go over there with you. So that once we all are there and have both of our Bibles ready, we can just start to read because I want to give you an opportunity to get there. So now go over to Matthew chapter 21 and we are going to go down to verse 12 and verse 13. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 and 32. Matthew chapter 21 verse 12 and verse 13. You have it? Okay, I hear you. I'll give you another few seconds to get there. All right, and the Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. Now let's go over to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read verse 12 and verse 13. Verse 12 begins, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast all of them that sold and bought in the temple out and overthrew the tables of the money changers and seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Father God, we come right now. 
We thanking you for your word that you have given us to God. Go by, Father God. Right now, I empty myself out and I ask that you would use my tongue, Father God. Speak through me to your people that they might feel a word from you. Feel your presence, Father God, and develop a closer relationship with you. Because, God, that is the call of this ministry, is to lead them, Father God, to have a closer relationship with you. And for the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. 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 And praise God. For the last two weeks, we were in Houston, Texas. This week, we are in Atlanta, Georgia. And I am so, so, so excited. My voice is starting to come back some. <clears throat> but as you can hear, it's not fully recovered yet. But that's all right. We're not going to let it stop us. <clears throat> We're going to continue to do and seek the Word of God. So again, we're in Atlanta, Georgia, so be mindful that sometimes we might be in your city. It's the plan of this ministry that we will travel abroad, spreading the gospel, not only through the internet, but in different cities of the United States and different cities around the world. So you never know, I'll be announcing the week or two before we get there where we're going to be, but for the next two weeks we'll be here in Atlanta. Today I want to speak from the title, Matters of the Heart. Matters of the Heart. We read in Ephesians 4, 31-32 and Matthew 21, 12 and 13. So in speaking about matters of the heart, you will find that when we speak about those matters, we're really talking about love. And when we're talking about love, we're really talking about your relationship with God and your relationship with others. Because that's what the effect of love is. It's how we love one another and how we love God, who's our Savior. As always, I want to give you something and a word that will help you, that will teach you to have a more personal relationship with Christ and to first live peaceful, peaceably with God. And to develop that relationship where it's not so antagonistic or it's not so much you always constantly worrying about what you're doing and what he's not pleased with. And start to just do the things that you know he is pleased with and that you are pleased with him. You'll begin to reciprocate those things with one another. But reading these scriptures, it seems at first glance that they contradict one another. One is saying, you know, put away all malice, put away all bitterness, put away all anger and clamor with all malice. And then in the next scripture in Matthew, we see Jesus turning over tables and casting people out and removing the seats of those who sold up. So people were like, mm, okay, that seems like an angry moment to me. And but one thing that I do know is that the scriptures will never, ever contradict one another. And if we dig deeply and look into matters of the heart, then we'll find that not only do they not contradict one another, but they also complement one another and explain to you how you should be living your life in Christ Jesus. So with that in mind, let's talk about a few, few things. Because what question came to my mind when I read the part about what Jesus did is I say, well, what happened to the Jesus that 
you know, always taught in parables, that he always was, you know, kind, had a kind word to someone. And when he spoke to people, he always spoke to them from a perspective that they would understand, not try to minister to them. What happened to that Jesus? And then I also thought about what happened to the Jesus that was 12 years old when we first heard about him after his birth? That was the first time we was hearing about him. He was in that same temple, not necessarily that same temple, but in the temple, you know, preaching the word of God and telling the scribes and the Pharisees and the lawyers and all the other people around about the word of Christ and astonishing them. So why would he come now to the temple and have this, what seems like boisterous attitude or major shade, if you will, against those who were in the temple at that time, because that seems unlikely about my Jesus. I don't know about your Jesus, but, you know, I'm like, okay, Christ, you got to kind of explain this to me and help me to understand, because a lot of people use that scripture in their lives to justify their anger and their wrath when they go off and do things that they know are not pleasing to God. So I'm like, okay, are they, right? are they correct in what they're saying? And then I was like, no, the scriptures will never contradict each other. So I had to look deeper, go deeper in prayer. And this is what the word of the Lord gave me. So let's look at Ephesians. Ephesians say put away a whole lot of things. And when I also looked at that scripture, I was like, it sounds like, you know, the writer is just repeating different things that mean the same thing, anger and wrath. Most people look at anger and wrath or synonymous with one another. You know, they have similar meanings, so why say that in bitterness? So I went and looked at the definition of each one of them to kind of put everything into context. And it says that bitterness is defined as disappointment of being treated unfair. Have you ever been disappointed because you felt like someone treated you unfair? Well, that's what bitterness is defined as in this scripture. Wrath is defined as a strong vengeance or ignitation. I'm like, okay, why would a person want to seek vengeance? But then I thought about, yeah, there's been times. People have done me some stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to get back at you. Don't think this is over. But that's not what God wants us to do. So it says anger is defined as feeling of displeasure, a feeling of displeasure, annoyance, or hostility. It says that clamor is a loud and confusing noise. Have you ever had someone and malice is the desire to inflict injury or harm. Wow. Yeah. There's been times in all of our lives, we admit it, we might not have gone through with it, but yeah, we wanted to reach out <laughs> and touch somebody. And I'm not talking about in a friendly way either. So when he says, put away bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, railing, and malice, those are the things that he's talking about. Put away disappointment of being treated unfair. Put away strong feelings of vengeance and indignation. Put away anger, which is feeling of displeasure or annoyance or hostility. Stop all of the yelling and screaming, which is the clamor. Stop all of the railing, which is expressing reproach and insulting somebody. It says put away malice, meaning stop 
want to do harm to someone. In other words, as the young people would say today, lay some hands on somebody every time someone does something you don't like or want them to do. God says, put all of those things away. And put them away because you should treat people with kindness and forgive them as Christ has can be forgiven. So yes, God is saying that these things may enter into your mind because we have flesh. Our flesh is going to take in that anger sometimes. It's going to take in that wrath sometimes. It's going to take in that malice and all of those other things. But God said as soon as it enters into you, you need to remove it. He didn't say that don't let it come. He says put it away. Put something away meaning something had to be there in order for you to take it off and put it away. So it's not the fact that it's not going to come in. Don't think you're so holy, holier than thou that you're never going to experience these things because we have flesh. We are going to experience them, but when we see them and recognize them, and that's why I wanted to give you the definition of what they were, God said, put those all away. In other words, get them out of you. How do you know when you're reacting out of love? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, it says love is kind, love is patient, love does not envy, nor does it boast, it's not proud, nor is it rude, it does not keep a record of people's wrongdoing. So when you are reacting to someone after anger or whatever has entered into your heart, you know you have put all of those feelings aside that Christ has told us to put aside if you can act in love. If your actions towards that person shows kindness. If it shows patience. Because see, kindness and patience is going to make you step back and say, okay, what's causing them to react this way? What's causing them to do these things? Because I know they love me, but they are doing stuff that they know hurt me at the moment. So, you need to react from that point of view to try to defuse the situation rather than react with the other side and escalate the situation. In your first reaction, you must first take accountability of how you approach the situation. The Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities. Not recognize that Satan is trying to create a situation in your life where you will not exhibit Christ. That's exactly what he's trying to do. If he can't stop you, he's going to try to block you. If he can't not block you, he's going to try to intercept the blessing that God is throwing you away. He's going to do whatever he can to try to hinder you from doing what God has asked you to do, and that's to react in love, which is in kindness and patience. I think a lot of times what people do in situations is we look at the person. And we see what the person is doing. And I, I'm just as guilty as anyone else. When someone is doing something, I, I, in order to stop it, I feel like I first have to stop them. But Christ is saying, no, first take care of you. See, that's the key in order to evolving in situations and knowing how to handle them. When you first look at yourself. God didn't say do anything to take care of them. He says take care of you. He said you put away all your anger. Even if they're angry, you put away all your anger. You put away your wrath. 
You put away all those things that they have projected onto you that has entered into your heart, and then you'll be able to handle that situation like Christ wants you to handle it. Now, I'm not saying if someone is trying to physically attack you and harm your body that you should not first protect yourself because you have to do that. But if they're just doing words or saying words and saying stuff that you don't like or saying words to hurt you or whatever, guess what? Sticks and stones break my bones, but words, unless I let them enter in my heart, they can't hurt me. And even if they enter into my heart, Christ said, put it away. Put it away. Put it aside. Get it out your mind. Do those things that you need to do to first get yourself together. I always have a practice within myself that in any bad situation, I first look at myself, not even from this perspective that Christ said, but I look at the perspective of what did I do to create this situation? Because maybe I have some blame. It might be 1%. It might be 50%. It might be 90%. But whatever it is, I try to look at what did I do to create this situation because sometimes we put ourselves in situations and then when we get the reaction that we get, then we want to react because, you know, our feelings are hurt. So I try to look at me and then, like you say, I analyze my heart according to the Word of God and say, okay, Lord, what is in my heart right now? Am I raging? Am I angry? Do I want to harm this person? What is it? So that I can put those things aside. As long as I'm not in any immediate danger, I put all of those things aside and do what I can to try to defuse the situation. Am I 100% on the mark all the time? Absolutely not. Do I do it 100% of the time? Absolutely not. Because sometimes, I'm being honest, my flesh gets the best of me. But then I have to go back and repent and ask God to forgive me because I did not do what he asked me to do. So I want to say a couple of more things before we take our break and go into our praise session about this word, about taking away all. He says to be kind to one another. How do you be kind to someone that's over there raging mad? You can see the rage in their eyes. You can see the malice them want to do you harm love is powerful if someone sees the love you have inside of you for them as a person most times it will diffuse their anger because anger feeds off for of more anger when you get angry back at them now it's like adding gasoline to the fire but when you put love on top of it. It's like covering the fire with something and smothering it out. That's what love does. It covers. And when it covers all of that anger and malice that the other person has, it snuffs it out most of the time. I'm not saying it's going to happen 100% of the time, but most of the time, depending on the person and the situation and their mental condition or whatever, it's going to snuff it out. Because how bad you think they are. Trust me, as humans, we recognize true love when we see it, when we feel it, and when we hear it. So exemplify love because love powers over all. 
That's why God says the greatest commandment is to love. Because love has a power that you will not believe. More and more as I grow in life, as I go through life, I have found that, yes, love, <laughs> it does some amazing things. Now I'm able to diffuse situations before they even become a situation because I see it coming. I see the anger coming. I see the malice coming. I see all those things coming. When I see them coming, I can brace myself and react in kind, or I can begin to show that person love and say, hey, listen, love, I know you're feeling this way, but whatever you're thinking at the moment, it's not that. Let me take a moment to love on you so that you can see what's really in my heart. Because when you have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with someone, see, people don't realize what that means. Heart-to-heart -heart means your heart is pouring out love onto someone else's heart through your words. They can see it in your eyes. They can see it in your actions, your reactions. When love is coming out of you, people can see it. They can feel it. They can almost touch it because true love is going to reach out and grab them and it's going to grab their heart and once love begins to pour into their heart it's going to overshadow those things that's in their heart so right now i just want to take a moment to just go through a song that it's not your typical church song but when i hear it you know it reminds me that this was Christ's way of showing me that he truly loved me because in order to do some things that he needed to do in order to redeem me he had to show me through these type of actions which we'll go over after the worship period so right now if you mind joining me I'm going to let Alexa play a song for us and I want you to listen to it and I'll speak briefly as the song here's a playlist you might like 100 Alexa, slow play Steel by Brian McKnight. Alexa, play Steel by Brian McKnight. Still by Brian McKnight. Thank you, Alexa. Amazon Music. So listen, I love this song. When you're trying to develop a personal relationship with Christ, I choose these kind of songs for you because they speak to our earthly relationships. And we can relate a lot to the earthly relationships, but we can't relate a lot to our horizontal, I mean our vertical relationship with Christ. So he still loves you. And if you think about it, he always each and every day. That's all he's trying to do. And show you love. So listen. Yes. That's a special relationship between you and Christ. Like none other. I know it's hard to believe. I know it's hard. It was hard for me for a while. To know the depth of his love, I always knew he did, but to know the depth of it, still think about you. God still thinks about you. He daydreams 24 hours a day about you. And wants you in his life. By his side, walking each and 
myself to God you know he said he would take things that we didn't think were good and he would turn it out for our good and use them for our good I love gospel music and I listen to gospel music just as much but there are times when I listen to songs like that and brain on love and the other songs that you've heard me play and yeah it might remind me of horizontal relationships that I've had but I also go beyond that to think about the vertical relationship that I have with Christ because that's the most dearest, the most valuable one that I can ever have in my life. So getting back to the scriptures, we shift now to Matthew, which seems to be in contrast with all that we have done in Ephesians about putting everything away. We see Jesus doing all of these things. We see him casting people out that were selling and buying things. But what the scriptures did not go into detail and tell you behind the scenes was that he 
cast out those that were selling sacrifices in the temple. And they were not selling sacrifices for a good reason. We know before Jesus Christ died on the cross, the way for repentance of our sins was that we had to sacrifice an innocent animal and take their blood and present it to God through the high priest and all of that. And the priests would go behind the veil and, you know, travail for our sins. And that's how God communicated and, re, you know, relieved us of our sins. And at this point, now people were no longer taking the innocence of an innocent lamb or turtle dove or whatever they had to sacrifice and give to God, they were literally trying to buy their way into heaven. What good is it for you to go and buy a sacrifice from someone that you don't even know if they really took care of that animal? If they really made sure that animal was pure? You're just buying something and giving God anything. Christ doesn't want anything from you. He wants your best. He wants you to give him your all. He wants you to sacrifice your life. Because after all, he sacrificed his life for you. So what greater love can you show to him than to sacrifice your life for him? So in other words, what he was doing was he wasn't acting out of anger or malice. For two reasons he kicked them out. Number one, again, they were buying and trying to buy their way into heaven and those who were selling was trying to sell and make as much profit as they could off of anything that they could. They probably took the worst that they had and sold it to those people for sacrifices and took the best that they have and kept them for themselves to eat or whatever it is they wanted to do with it that they can get more money for. So Christ was like, no. The sacrifice is finally here. I'm going to be the ultimate sacrifice. So if my temple is going to be the temple that I need it to be, I can only be, and I can be the only sacrifice that's in the temple. So he had to drive all of those other sacrifices out. Because if he had sacrificed himself and still allowed all of those other sacrifices to remain in the temple, then people would have had a choice. What you have to do is accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that was the life that he gave for you and the blood that he shed for you. So he cleared all that out. Why? So he can clear the way that you can understand that he is the ultimate sacrifice. Number two, he turned over the money exchanges. Tables. Money itself is not evil. I love to look at money. I've seen stacks and stacks of thousands of money. I've even cashed a check for over six hundred and some thousand and got the cash put in a bag to bring back to the office. So I know what money looks like. I've seen money, pictures of money in the military when we went overseas where they had, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars just stacked in a room. Could you imagine? But see, money itself sitting there does nothing. Money doesn't I'll go out there and commit crimes. Money doesn't hate you. Money doesn't love you. Money does nothing. Money is just that. It's money. So it's, in itself, it's not evil. He was not turning over the tables because the money was evil. He was turning over the tables because those who were controlling the money, their hearts were not right. They were cheating people in their exchange. They used to use weight and scales to 
do their exchanges. People were tilting the scales in their favor. Christ was like, no, not in my temple. If you're going to do something and you're going to do it, do it with all righteousness. Do it from a place that your heart is right. Do it for the reasons that you should do it, to help someone and not to hinder or cheat them. So yes, he did turn over the money tables so that those things that were unequal and those things that were not right can be overturned. Get that? Overturned. That's why he overturned the tables. Because now he was coming to make those things right. He was coming to balance out the scales. He was coming to make sure justice was done. He was coming to make sure you had a fair chance. To make sure you had a fighting chance. And to make sure you had knowledge that you knew who Christ was. And he would give you the knowledge that you need to get through life. So yeah, he overturned the tables. He overturned those things that were against you. Because those scales were against those people who were exchanging money. It was tilted in the other person's favor. And lastly, it, this part really, 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 really got me. It said that he removed the seats of those who sold those. So he removed the people and the sacrifices out that were selling the sacrifices and buying them. He removed and overturned the money tables and the people that was sitting there. But when it came to the doves, he only removed the seat and the people that were sitting in the seats that were selling the doves. The Bible did not say anything about him removing the doves. And I was like, okay. At first, I kind of glanced over it and didn't think anything of it. But then the Lord put in my spirit. He said, the dove is a symbol of his Holy Spirit ascending up and descending uh, up and down. A dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit ascending and descending. In other words, God communicating with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit communicating with God, the Holy Spirit communicating with you, what God says. So it's the dove represents that. So why would you remove your spirit from the temple? No, he would not because the dove is symbolic of his spirit. So he would never ever remove his spirit. In other words, he would never remove his spirit from you. Just accept it. Once you accept it, you don't need the money exchanges because he turned over the tables. He showed you right then and there. You can't buy your way into heaven. He removed all those other sacrifices. Those sacrifices are going to not do you any good. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He came to be the final sacrifice that will last through all eternity. Once he died, hung, bled, and died, that was it. No more sacrifice. The only sacrifice you have to make is to give your life to him. That's the sacrifice. Give your life to him as he gave his life to you and for you as a ransom to cover your sins. So when you look at it, those two scriptures are not in contrast with one another, but they are complementing one another. Because Jesus did all of those things because he loved you. He was showing you, I am the way. 
and I'm removing all of these things that hinder you from seeing me. I'm removing all of the things that are obstacles in your way to getting direct access to me. I'm removing anything that will try to come between me and you. <clears throat> you know why? Because he says once I make this sacrifice, because he had not done it at that point, he was on his way to the cross, but he had not gone to the cross yet. But he said, once I make that sacrifice, I cannot have anything in your way. I need you to have direct access to me. I need you to be able to see exactly what I've done for you. Look at the cross. I don't want anything in front of you hindering you. Money will hinder you. Have you ever let your money come between you and God? Have you ever let all of the things that you sacrifice yourself and your life for come between you and God? Because we sacrifice ourselves for a lot of things. We sacrifice ourselves for our family. We sacrifice ourselves for the lifestyles we want to live. We sacrifice ourselves for the things we want mentally and emotionally. We sacrifice ourselves for a whole lot of things. But have you ever sacrificed yourself for Christ? What does that sacrifice look like? It's very, very important that you understand that Christ still loves you. He might have committed that act over 2,000 years ago. But guess what? His love is still as strong today as it was the day he did all of those things. So don't use that scripture as an excuse to do the bad things you want to do. Because Christ did not do those things from a place and a matter of heart, from anger. He did not do it from a matter of heart of clamor or malice or bitterness or any of those other things. He did it because he was clearing the way for you and I to see him as Lord and Savior. Because after he finished all that, he said his house would be a house of prayer. We tell you all of the time, prayer is nothing more than talking to God. How you speak, speak to God. You don't have to have the holy etiquette words or the religious anecdotes or any of those things. Just simply talk to God and that's prayer. And that's what he said his house was for. And that's what he was clearing the way for. That you can pray to him and talk to him and have direct access to him. And not let all of those other things rob you of your relationship with Christ. When he said, not a den of thieves, that's what he meant. Yes, they were physically doing things to steal from folks. But Christ was talking about your spiritual relationship. Don't let things and Satan rob you because that's what they're doing. Rob you of quality time with God. Rob you of peace with God. Rob you of the love of Christ. Don't do it. My time is almost up and this message is almost over. But I implore upon your heart to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Love on God and let him love on you. 
I'll be back in a moment to give a final word, and then I will bid you a good evening, or should I say, a good morning. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's your boy Zay, the best ex that you could ever want around. And I want you to tune in to my show, Legends Speak, on Wednesdays on Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you listen to for your podcast platform, I'll be there. Legends Speak. What is Legends Speak? I'm glad that you asked. This is a platform where I invite people who I consider legends and I interview them about their professional career and just get details about how they were able to be so successful while fighting mental health issues. So if you're interested, which I know that you are, tune in to Legends Speak with your boy Zay, the best ex that you could ever want around. Good morning, I'm Angela Bay. Good morning, this is... <laughs> Good morning, I'm Angela Bay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good morning, it's... I'm losing my voice. Good morning, I'm Angela Bennett. Good morning, this is Angela Bennett with the Angela Bennett Show. I'm asking you to tune in with me every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. And also follow me on Facebook. Love you guys. Bye. Are you not going to say anything? Oh, I thought you were talking. Hello, it's me. I was wondering after all these years, you finally asked me. This is what I have to deal with every weekend. I try to be as nice as I can to each and every one of them, but this is what happens. This it's video's true. too long. <laughs> you gotta cut it anyway. The Angela Bennett Show on GODRadio1.com. Inviting you to join me wherever you listen to your streaming podcast. Journey with me on this road called freedom. For I invite you into a safe haven. Come and have candid conversations with me. With inspirational stories and lessons presented to you by others who will help us identify our lane as we collectively come together on this road called freedom. Okay, welcome back. I hope you've enjoyed that word because for me it was uplifting and enlightening. I learned a lot when God laid that message on my heart because again, I was one of those who used to use that scripture as an excuse when I got mad and people say, oh, you're supposed to be the Christian and you said or did this and I was like, yeah, even Jesus, you know, so no, Christ. to let you know that if you want to join this ministry we will be having a website uh, online in the middle of April where you can go and you can submit your name 
information and I'll get back with you on the steps you need to be a part of this ministry. I don't ask you to uh, leave your church home that you attend or any of those things, but if you want to be a part of this ministry as primary or if you want this ministry to be just an addition to what God is already doing in your life in your current church where you assemble and worship and praise God and hopefully the Word of God is being dispersed at your home church, you are more than welcome. But again, the website will be up and running about mid-April and uh, currently I just finished setting up the uh, Cash App and I'm setting up uh, Totify where you will be able to contribute you know, via any type of uh, electronic mode of uh, giving that you choose to use, be it your credit card or whatever, and it will be encrypted and secure. I wanted to make sure because I'm a finance guy in the military and I, I know about security, so I want to make sure that anything you do to contribute to the kingdom work of God is secure. So whatever God lays on your heart for you to give, to help, it will be greatly appreciated. I do pay for this platform and all of this out of my pocket. I, I pay for all the equipment. I pay for my traveling back and forth. Uh, I do it all and I will continue to do it all if no one even gives a dime because it, it's something that God has called me to do. But I also, God told me to stop being this type of person that doesn't ask for help. Uh, I'm very prideful at times when it comes to that area in my life and God is training me and showing me that I must put that pride aside. So if you want to give, I'm not giving, uh, going to tell you about no 10% and none of this other stuff. I'm going to tell you to give what God has laid upon your heart to give as a token of appreciation to Him. Because when you give to this ministry, you will be giving to Him. It's not for me, it's for the spreading of the gospel. Is for helping other people. Uh, I, I do have a full-time job at a law firm, so I, I'm good. I retired military, so I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, is it going to get to a point that maybe I need to stop being bivocational and get supported by the ministry? I hope so, that I can do ministry full-time, but right now I'm not asking for that reason. I'm just asking if you want to help, then feel free to help. Uh, you're going to see on the bottom of the screen the cash app that's available right now. Next week I have the full Tidify ability for you to uh, give. And I just thank you for the support of just watching and listening. And I hope that you have been blessed. Happy Sunday. Next week I'm going to try to have a special edition uh, segment if I can on Friday. I have not worked out the details with the network. But if I can pay to have a special network uh, premiere, that I will have seven pastors preaching the seven scenes from the cross uh, the day, the Friday, Good Friday before Easter Sunday, which is, I believe, the first Sunday in April. So uh, if I can do that, I will. And I'll give you more details on Wednesday night if that works out. Um, other than that, be blessed. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I love you. This is Pastor Bynum from R&R &R Ministries. Be blessed. This new podcast is going to be about building a relationship with Christ. Building your love life not only with Christ, but with those around you. 
and building your personal inner strength. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love, and love is an action word. Sometimes it gets hard to love. You must do certain things in your life. First, you must shake it off and pack it up in your feet. Because when you shake it off and pack it up, He's commanded us to do. The first thing I want to teach you about love is love is not selfish. So join r and Ministries on Sundays at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can listen to our podcast on any of your favorite networks, but be sure to tune in to This Is Culture Network.